Welcome back to the Discovering Forestry podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Corey Lofi, alongside the star of the show, Mr. Arbor Joe Aitken, here for another compelling conversation about trees. An address on there, Mrs. Mrs. That so-and-so, but that tree is your customer, and you want to do the best you can for that tree. Call a fresh new call, and the tree's declining, and you ask the, the resident what's, what has been done to this tree, and they don't know. How many times does that happen? Just about every time. And the bad thing is that you get the call when the tree's almost dead. Like it just happened overnight. And keeping good records and understanding good uh, diagnostic skills, actually, uh, I had an opportunity to show somebody that when they thought this tree was declining, it just happened this year. So we took a look at it and looked at the annual growth rates and actually looked at this tree's been declining for eight or nine years. And then you have to look back. So that all comes back into a good record. Yeah, and you just inspired kind of the next thing that popped into my mind is how many people have had those customers? You ask them what, what has happened to the tree over the years and you know, they kind of scratch their head and they, they don't know, they just took over the property. But you can show up with the property history, with the history of that oak and every treatment that's been done to it because you were caring for that property. And that's a, that's a check, check that box. That's almost a guarantee, here's the next. Um, some of the common questions that we get when we ask, uh, are you a plant out there? Like, ah. Well, it depends where you live, but a lot of people generally come back and say something to the effect of it's, it's seasonal, right? You can only do it for a couple months out of the year. Right? Is that, that would be a logical business problem, right? Who lives the farthest north in here? Anybody north? It doesn't get cold there. They were fit that too. Snowy, maybe, but. Um, so you can look at your plant health care side of your business, could probably just be six months. But within that six months, uh, I have a customer in Midland, Michigan, old, crotchety old timer, been doing it forever, got a good book of business. He makes enough money in them six months that he takes six months off. I'm not saying he can afford it, but eventually that's can. Um, like you said, Corey, you know, plant health care uh, is very profitable. Um, and you're right, if it's seasonal, you have to figure out patients. Not only is it just the work, you got to think about your insects and diseases, because that's based off of seasonal activity also. So making sure you apply at the right time of the products that you listed, because now you're keeping better inventory, better records. You can focus on applying a product at the right time to be most effective. Yeah, and, and moving the people around within your within your business or your organization to be most effective. So spring, March, April, May, maybe early June, that might be your heavy months. Those might be your heavy months to where you bring people in from the dream crew or the stump crew. But we talked about plant health care, including some of that air excavation work. I mean, you can, you can do, other than in the fall when you when people are blowing out irrigations, you can do that almost any time on those shoulder seasons unless the ground's frozen. And winter watering talked about that on past episodes. What a great way to benefit a lot of trees by doing winter watering if you live in some of these more arid places like I live in Colorado or out in California. A great opportunity to help the trees. Another neat thing that's obviously because uh, what Corey and I do for a living, uh, we're always looking at ways to extend a treatment window for somebody. What's amazing is that we found through the years that a lot of our first stem injections are best done now into the area where the trees 
uh, 40, 45 degrees because you eliminate resin flow. So understanding tree anatomy physiology and figuring out when the best time to do an application, um, that extends, extends your, your treatment window. That's awf awfully nice to do your evergreens in November and December and, and bank up and out a lot more revenue uh, for the company uh, later in the season, so. Getting ready for next year. How many, how many people in here have done spring renewals, spring weathers, winter renewals? And if you're not raising your hand, you Google that or talk to somebody that did have their hand raised because that's 50% of your business. That repeat high margin service. And you can be putting together these renewals by looking at your, your <laughs> government mandated paperwork. But that's also how you're going to be able to build healthier routes for your technicians to do in the spring too. Uh, as, we, as we're talking here, repairing equipment, sending people to trade shows like that's how you're going to move business forward, but also the people working for you. They're going to do a better job when they can come to events like this, interact with people. So but think about that for the else's. Let's take it, let's take a step back a little bit. I think we missed something on the paperwork. Uh, if you walk in the trade show floor, how many in here have stopped and, and talked to someone like single ops or some of the the amazing technology that for the record keeping. Uh, that's a wave of the future too. So if we're talking about how hard it is, um, I do not like paperwork. Mm -hmm. I hate it. <laughs> and uh, I, I should be careful when I say that because you never know who's listening. But <laughs> so it's amazing to hear, but on these new apps, all the weather data, all the, all the products that you apply, everything is actually in that. And if you can't tap a button on a screen, I don't know how they can make it any more easier. So if that's a, I just wanted to bring that up because you kind of skipped over paperwork. Um, that's huge. That is, and we're not saying that that, it depends on state by state on if the Department of Ag allows you to have a digital copy and that your only copy. But I think you're right. I think something should be said for kind of the digital age, and especially the next generation getting into it. Here I am, 30-something. Uh, what are these 19, 20-year-olds? They're all tech sad. You're 30-something already? Yeah, I know. Man, get ready for retirement. <laughs> and in 30 years, we'd let you know. Somebody said pension to me the other day, Joe. What's a pension? That's <laughs> <laughs> How do you plan for the future, Gen Z? Um, yeah, no, I, I'm with you. And you know, as, as people are building businesses, doing kind of healthcare, you're moving people. You know, one of the great opportunities that people have when they're done applying the product for the season, for those big seasons, put them on the climb crew, put them on the trim crew, teach them to do removals. You know, that'll make them a more a more well-rounded arborist or tree care professional. And I almost think that if, if the, the, the trajectory or the, the pathway that, that your team or employees have set for you, you have to you have to learn each of those. You have to learn what's involved in pruning, what's involved in a removal job. Because if they're the salesperson, has anybody ever had a salesperson that just hangs bits? No, of course not. No. What about no, no, build on that? So if you're just doing pruning and removals, um, if the tree died. Wouldn't it be kind of interesting to know why it died? Isn't that plant healthcare? So if a tree dies on someone's backyard and uh, we got the proper tree ID and you're calling to remove that, that specimen tree, 
I think planned health care is before you were why that tree died. And I've been thinking to myself, why would you ask that question, Joe? Why would you care what type of tree it was and why it died? Any answers? You guys awake up there? Well, Great answer. So if there's another tree, the exact same species, right on the other side of the backyard, wouldn't you want to know why in the plant healthcare world, why that tree died? Is that other tree susceptible? If it's something invasive, you, I mean, you, you were in, a lot of people don't know this, but Joe, Joe is in near ground zero for Emerald Ashmore, EAB. Right, what was 30 some, miles from the original infestation? Yeah, what was some of that like in the first days? I mean, people were people looking, were they just going, oh, it's an ash tree, who cares what happens? Well, they thought it was a disease. So again, because no one's really digging into what it was, and nobody knew that an invasive insect would land in Metro Detroit, Michigan, uh, no one could figure it out, and they sent it out. They kept having uh, Michigan State University look at it. They couldn't figure out what it was, so they sent out a pathologist, uh, Dave Roberts, and he was the one that determined that it was being killed by an insect. And before that even happened, do you know who figured out what it was or what was killing the trees? An arborist, the local arborist that took the time to stop and look. And he noticed that ash trees had de exit holes. And he's like, I've never seen that before. And that's when it really took off that they finally realized there was something in the tree, in an ash tree that was never found. So it was an arborist, it was one of us. So that's why when you're on property, is why you gotta be diligent to look around and hope to God you find something before it becomes an epidemic. Yeah, and there's a power of noticing. So a lot of times we'll get called to a property after the fact. The tree's already on decline, but it happened overnight. Or, or one of my favorite things is, um, hey, check out my check out my pine. And you get there, it's a spruce. Right. <laughs> you have to get that. I have to get that off my chest. But uh, there's there's a power to noticing different signs and symptoms within the plants. Is it top down? Is it inside out? Is it fallen? Is it insect? Is it even an insect or a disease? Uh, we have an issue in Michigan, I'm not sure how far it stretches uh, across the country, that arborvitaes are just dying. You guys have a problem with arborvitaes? No, no, they're great. They're wonderful, yeah, they are wonderful for about 20 years and the one right in the middle dies. And you can't buy a 20 year old arborvitae to stick in there. Well, that's because you gotta replace it with an autumn blaze maple. <laughs> yeah, an environmental waste. Autoblaze maybe uh, was going to put our kids through college. What? Yeah. Oh, Abe, oh, just keep planting them. Keep planting them. Plant them. If you're listening to this episode, Autoblaze maples all day. Structure prune. The next pest that's going to come in. You know, they removed all of, all of the elm trees, a lot of elm trees, replanted with ash. Here we are, Emerald Ashboard. They're knocking out these ash, they're putting Autoblaze maples being specked. It's great. It's wonderful. Especially if you own the nursery. Yeah, there's going to get past that's just selected for that. All right. Reason. This is the fun one. Why don't... Um, now, this this started last year at, at TCI. Where was it at? Uh, Charlotte. How many of you guys are in Charlotte? Great show. I think they outdid themselves this year. Beautiful job. Great show. If you walk around, which takes... It does take three days to get around the show. If you really do your your research and stop and talk to all the vendors. I was astonished last year, and I talked to Amy Tetro, and I'm like, 
how many two hundred almost three hundred vendors? And I'm like, well, how many are plant healthcare centers? She said twelve. So I did the math. It was three point four percent of TCI Expo was plant healthcare. And I'm thinking to myself, I says, man, it's a it's a bad time to be a tree right now, but it's a great time to be a tree person in plant healthcare. So that kind of speared why we're here today. So, and I was talking to some, like I said, Christian and some of my other um, compadres in crime, and they were like, just not as cool as climbing, Joe. <laughs> it's so true though. In, in some ways, it's so true. Um, <laughs> I, I get up a couple trees a year, but let's talk about why yeah, yes, it, there are some really cool aspects to climbing and removals, a lot of math involved. You know, there's some mochis, math. It's physics. Is it math? Yeah. Well, there's even more in plant healthcare. Um, but, but if you think about our industry, and you think about how many people are in plant healthcare, there a lot of us started off as climbers, or as those technical removal experts. Plant healthcare is a little more sustainable, it's better on the knees. Unless your knees are already shot. Yeah, unless your knees are shot. What about your shoulders? No, my shoulders are worse than my knees. Yeah. So if you walk around the trade show, and, and, and it's just it's incredible to see the an amazing equipment. And I know that it, it's all based around safety. So how many here do both uh, PHC and climb? That's phenomenal to see so many do that. It creates a well-rounded arborist, especially for the future of arboriculture, because I know it's hard to believe, but I think I'm gonna retire one day. <laughs> so we need uh, the next generation to, and I'm hoping after, you know, that's why Corey and I started the podcast, is to kind of shed light on maybe some of the opportunities in arboriculture that don't get the limelight like they should. Uh, there is nothing more exciting than saving somebody's tree and having them appreciate you and love you and bake you cookies and bring them out. Boy, God, the tree looks beautiful. Here's a pie. And I guess you, you don't do it when they cut it down. In fact, the opposite happens. What? I've had people, as you're removing the tree, actually come out crying. And there's an emotional connection. There's a value associated with trees that's just beyond the dollar, right? There's, there's so much more. Maybe it's just in Colorado or out west with all these hippies. But I've seen, I haven't seen anybody chain themselves to a tree yet that, that was going to be removed by an outfit. You haven't? No. I don't. Detroit right now? How many people? <laughs> They're behind trees for different reasons. I don't know. Whatever. For protection. Whatever. I, we were at a show and some guy asked me a question. Oh, why do you guys got trees in Detroit? The guy goes, to stop the bullets. I'm like, that ain't fair on Detroit. Anybody here from Michigan? Yeah, so you know what I'm talking about. City of Detroit's getting better, and they don't even listen up. But I will tell you that they still have dead ash tree standing that we're trying to get taken care of. But uh, 20 years wait, 20 years later, they're still trying to take care of standing dead ash. Well, they resprouted, Corey. Uh, see. They died, and all the upper canopy <laughs> fell off. And then I got these ash shrubs everywhere in Detroit now, so they're like, they're still alive. Yeah. That's, inter that's interesting because, uh, how big are they right now in like Detroit, or like these sprouts? They're multi-stem ash trees, probably six to eight inches in diameter. They grew fast, man. 
Oh, the big debt. Is there any industry you ever seen with a big debt center? Almost, almost artistic. Right? I mean, I, I wouldn't want to be climbing those, especially if they're that dead. We just don't feel them. Trying to say. I'm so, wrong. is climbing cooler than plant healthcare? Depends on the day. Every day. You know, I still I don't climb like I used to. And I I actually went to a a full body harness saddle recently because. The chainsaw on the accessory clip pulls my pants down, so I, the world don't need to see that. So I went with a full body harness. So I'm just as much a gear junkie on climbing as the next arborist. Because that's how I start. Oh, sure. And it's still amazing, but I'm a nerd or a tree dork than most because I think I'm more fascinated with uh, the living organism, aka a tree. So I. I probably 20 years, um, and I've been very fortunate uh, working with ArborJet to be put in situations where I get to learn more about uh, tree preservation. So I really nerd out on it. I just, I, I still love climbing, but I still think that, and we talked about this on the and I think if you're here at TCI Expo, you're probably indirectly meant to be here. And that's why I love plant healthcare uh, over uh, the climate and removals. And we have to be realistic that trees die and trees have to come down, but um, let's give them a chance. Yeah, and another reason to be doing the, the plant healthcare, the PHC applications is that I was homeschooled, so you're gonna have to do the math for me, but if you remove a tree, how many times can you do that on a property, right? Exactly, if you do it properly, exactly once, right? But plant healthcare, depending on what service you're providing, you can show up every every year, every other year, every third year, whatever that service looks like, if that if that is your goal and what you're prescribing for the tree, you can show up and once again, go goes back to business, goes back to taking care of the trees, taking care of the environment. And for me, that that's a bigger, bigger, further picture. Yeah, it is cool. Everybody, a lot of people in the room love firing up the ADA. You love when that four foot ball down there, you're raining chips down on somebody. But at some point, your body's going to go, time for a change, man. On the podcast, we just recently had a, um, a listener from the Czech Republic. Is he here? Is uh, he's, he's, on he's on the floor. He's on the floor. So we have, uh, we have someone reach out to us, and he had a great. And it's kind of resonated to the point where I just recently used it in a, a presentation up in Michigan, is that when we look at the environmental benefits of a mature tree that we're preserving, when that tree, we lose that, that plant, that specimen, how many trees do you think? So if you had a 40 inch oak, how many trees do you have to plant at one inch in diameter to make up the environmental benefits of that one tree. Now, you know, that's a good point, so 40. Somebody said, but the bad thing is the canopy isn't equal to the size of that mature tree. Believe it or not, 50,000 one-inch trees to make up the economic value that that one mature tree does. And his point is, is that preservation is a lot more important than I think we realize. So we can't plant ourselves out of an economic crisis. So that's where preservation and maybe saving the ones that we can, and not saying don't plant, 
but we need that multi-aged forest, the forest and the urban forest. So save what you can, use the tools that you got, and save those ones and then continue to plant. I think in the long run, we'll all be much better. Yeah, and I think we're gonna do better, and then with diversity too, with the different trees that are being installed and planted in our, in my, in my town, and in a lot of the municipalities that I'm working with, they're not just saying people need to plant all on blaze, or you have these four trees that are approved. Every town's got a list of the trees that are approved to plant, right? But now you're seeing those lists that go 10, 12 deep. So that way, if there is, a, or when there is another insect or disease that rolls through, or here's something we haven't even talked about today yet, is climate change. What's the future? I think by diversifying yourself over a, a larger plant palette. See that the USDA just recently posted the new hardiness zone map. Have you guys seen that? Michigan now is almost all zone six. Which is, you think about that, one or two degrees is, is pretty astronomical when you think about plants. And there's another thing happening. Like I said, evergreens are generally the first to, or the first to be an indicator of uh, stress. And now we have white pine decline. Some of you guys have a white pine issues. You know what, believe it or not, they don't know. It's a combination of four uh, fungal pathogens, uh, that stresses the tree out, uh, and they're calling it white pine decline. Just like spruce decline. How about your blue spruces? They're probably doing great in Colorado because that's where they're supposed to be. Yeah, I think But in the Midwest, we got and it's horrible. All the spruce trees are declining. And again, it's spruce decline. We really need to look at um, what's going on. And can we can we plant ourselves to reverse this? environmental change. To reverse it or at least slow, slow that decline. Slow that spread. Because as we're talking, you just you just spit a fact out there that I'm not the fact check of how many one-inch trees we need. But if you if you just think about that and something rolls through, like emerald ash borer, Dutch elm, spruce, whatever it is, I mean all of a sudden you've got the same size plant going through a whole neighborhood. You don't have that mixed diverse stand. You might have a couple different species, but you don't have diverse age classes. So that's gotta play some effect into how people are managing their urban forests too. Yeah, good point, good point. So planting is good, preservation is good. So where do people start? Uh, that's a good one. So, all right, let me, let me pose a question. Oh my God, that podcast was amazing. Inspiring. Now I want to get into plant health care. Where do I start? What do I do, Corey? <laughs> Keep listening to the podcast. So download and subscribe if you haven't yet to the podcast. But that's, that is intimidating. It is, yeah. Uh, I think, again, I go back to when I first started it, it was easier to teach me what not to spray. Because if you think about the 200 different tree species out there, not to even mention the cultivars, then you get into the shrubs. Oh, the ground cover is weird. Like I said, it would, we were, don't spray this and this at this round. Like, what does that look like? Yeah. Give me a picture of uh, Alberta spruce. Don't spray those. All right, we're dormant oil. Keep it off the blue spruces because you'll bleach them. All right, we'll see what's a blue spruce look like. So, so I wonder if, so that's how you started in this 500 years ago when you first got into the industry. Um, 
in, in Colorado right now, and I know we've got at least a couple people here that are from Colorado or other C state further west, you actually have to shadow somebody for two years before you can even apply to have your own individual pesticide applicator's license. So some people starting, and, and that might be here listening, they're starting, but they're under the tutelage of somebody else right now. In, in Michigan, you have to have practiced, if you own your own tree care company, which is kind of odd, and I'm working with the, the DNR or the Department of Ag Changes, you actually have two years of experience. So if you start your own tree care company, you have no experience, what do you do? Well, you know what you're doing in Michigan? They're just having some guy sign on who's got two years experience and uses it in his car. So I told that to the DNR, I said, you're, you're missing the boat, you need to have an apprenticeship program. Yes. So they're actually writing it. But how do you get 20, 30, 40 years of experience? You gotta start. Dude, you just gotta start. You, know, you made a great comment about, um, in your region, probably 95% of the issues are probably three or four problems. So if you wanna get into it, you start there. You start on the ones that are the big problems in your region. It may only be a couple issues and get good at that. <laughs> it's, it's funny you say that because as, as we travel all over the country and we talk to people, we try, we're trying to build your business, we're trying to get you into plant healthcare. To some degree, Joe and I could probably sit down in any of the regions that we're at frequently enough and write a, write a program. We could write a program up for these uh, individuals or these companies just there. I mean, like you said, identify the first two, three, four opportunities you have, and then just by going to conferences like this or, uh, you know, different trade shows that you might have in your area, you're going to build your program pretty quick. I think, yeah, I think the, you'd be surprised how fast the PhD program can take off because I truly don't think enough people offer it. Mm -hmm. So just getting into it, and if, if I, and I've left you with one word of advice from me and my experience is I wish I wish I would have spent more time in the soil as a young arborist. I wish I would have under soil management, soil profiles, soil pH, how it interacts with trees in the micro and the macro nutrients. I wish I would have started there. Yeah, I think that's that's paramount in plant health care. So you may never get into applying pesticides, but everybody can do soil health. Uh, everybody can do air excavation to alleviate soil compaction. Anybody can mulch a tree. You know, if there's one thing that you do is mulching a tree, it's probably the most beneficial thing you do. Anybody can do that. And, and make sure it's mounted thick. Volcano shape. Two foot up. Two feet up. Red dyed two foot up to the first branch. And then the irrigation emitter needs to go right at the base of the tree because that's where all the roots are. And you get another set of roots to get twice as much absorption if you mulch up higher. People are getting CEUs for that, so we, we just want to clarify. Our producer will probably bleep that out when this goes to the world. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. Sorry, don't. This is this. That would not be where you want to start. But if you did start there, uh, there's probably somebody that would take you under their wing. I think Joe, we've talked about this before. Our industry is so open. I don't know if anybody's come from you know different construction or another trade where maybe you didn't talk about different techniques or how you were handling your book of business. The tree industry is wide open. You go to a climbing contest, I don't know if anybody in the audience or any of the listeners at home have, have done this before, but if you go there, 
Yeah, some people have their secrets, they've got their methods, but they're open and they're happy. Oh my gosh, you can't get people to stop talking about just how awesome they are. That's good. If they say that, I can, I can get rambling on and people just walk away. But it is open. And like I said, even on the, we're talking about the PHC side, think about the climbing side. Let me guys mention a local tree climbing comp or ITCC. It's amazing how open arborists are with helping. So you, we have a network of amazing individuals that are out there to assist. And I'm just talking about the tree people, us. You know, look past that. Look at your local extension. You know, a lot of us, Michigan State, Ohio State, Purdue, which I've worked with, have incredible extension offices that are there to identify insects, to identify plants. Shoot, I got a bug app and a tree app out here, and I still use after 40 years. Um, it's incredible the technology that we get helped with. I have a bug app on my phone. I just take pictures of it and I'll text it off to you. Or... Yeah, and then there's another thing, right? The industry professionals. Find somebody here, somebody you used to work with, an old professor. We didn't even talk about schools. There are two-year programs, four-year programs, summer programs, internships. Local ISA chapters. But if you opt to send Corey and I a picture, don't take it from across the street. Can I put in a shameless plug from our from your hosts? Plan Healthcare online course is coming out next month from TCIA's interactive narrated. So nothing beats experience and a good teacher, but you know, if you're interested in more knowledge, there are some other resources. And tree care specialists came out and said nothing. That, that's fantastic because I kind of heard that, but I, I wasn't allowed to say it. But I found the old NAA back uh, 23 years ago, they actually had a training program for arborists. I have the original manuals, so it's kind of cool. So there's a lot of opportunity for education in plant healthcare. And I really think we need more people to get into it. Yeah, so how do we do that? How do we inspire them other than our compelling conversations every week that come over the radio waves, Joe? It's, you know, how do we make it, how do we make it sexy? How do we make it enticing? What? <laughs> I have no idea how to make plant healthcare sexy. Um, maybe we talk to Arborware to come out with their own line of plant health care pants. <laughs> Chaps. Chaps. Yeah. I'm just spitballing here, but I don't know. How can anything be more rewarding uh, to protect someone's landscape? Yeah, and I think that's where it has to come from. I can't tell you how many people, since I've been in the industry, which is less than you by far. And I can't tell you how many people have, have told me, oh, you'll never become rich doing tree stuff. You'll never become wealthy doing tree care. I'm sure people have said that, right? And if you think about it, monetary, there's always ways to move up and over and this and that. But I do think there's something to be said for what you just said, kind of having that intrinsic feeling of, hey, I'm keeping this tree alive. We're keeping this tree alive. About five or six years ago, Peter Gerstenberger, who did the, the introduction, uh, wrote an intro to the TCI magazine, and it went towards the line that there's not too many industries that we can be involved in that really makes a difference on a day-to-day -to, -day to the face of this earth. What we do by taking care of trees is protecting the world. So what better thing is that understanding that trees, you know, when we do pruning, we prune to reduce risk, uh, trees have to come down because trees die. They're living organisms. They die. We know that. 
Um, there's construction projects where trees have to be moved. We understand that. But there's no better rewarding thing that we could do is other than protect and preserve. Yeah, and I'd be curious, since we do a, a bit of a live audience here, how many people have been caring for a tree for like five years? Keep the hands up if it's 10, 15, 20, seriously? 30 years old. You've been caring for the same tree for 30 years. Then, same tree? Same tree. Oh, no. 20, that's, that's pretty good. But you have a feeling and a sense of pride, right? You have a, a good sense of pride and accomplishment when you can look at that tree and see that it's still standing there. So you take your experience and what you've done for the industry and for that tree, multiply it by urban forest. It's huge. It's huge. It's huge. I, when, I, when I go back home to southeastern Wisconsin and emerald ash borer, right, super invasive insect, wipe most of the ash out. If it wasn't treated with MBEMs, they got wiped out. But my parents still have half a dozen around their house. It's because we were able to treat them. And every time I drive down that road, it's such a rewarding feeling. Nobody, nobody, you know, that'll never get out there. That story will never be told. And a hundred people would drive by a day, and they wouldn't know that, but they'd drive by and they'd go, wow, that tree looks nice. But I know. And to me, as we're talking and kind of moving on here, uh, that's almost more rewarding. Right, right there. I, it just popped in my head as you were talking about your parents' tree. Uh, you know, I think tree guys are like auto mechanics, that their own trees look horrible. And I was just laughing that I got two apple trees in my backyard that are so ugly. It's so nasty, my wife's like, are you ever gonna do anything with those? Like, oh yes, darling, I would love to. But why is it that we, we is, it, is it the same thing? Is it just me? It's just you, yeah. No, my tree's looking bad. Your tree's not great? Yeah, I mean, they're all cottonwoods, but. <laughs> all right, Corey, so let's, uh, let's start winding it down. Um, give you an opportunity to thank our sponsors, and then maybe, uh, We'd love to take the, the last maybe five, 10 minutes and take some questions. Yeah, so I'll start out by kind of thanking the sponsors. If, if people do have questions or you'd like to make a comment, there are a couple of mics. We'll also have a, a roaming mic available. You might just have to put your hand up. But uh, really want to thank both the DCI uh, ArborJet and College. So Joe and I both work for ArborJet. They've been in business 20 something years. But really, they've transformed plant health care and tree injection into so much more than it used to be. It, we don't have nearly enough time to talk about the history of trunk injection. You know, we, everybody thinks trunk injection just started by ArborJet 20 years ago. They've been doing it for 400 years. 400 years. So ArborJet's really transformed that. They've made it approachable, which we also do believe is the next step. Right? You've got to continue to bring in the next generation. So big, big, big thanks to them. I say I don't know if we have any members here today, but thank you for that. Thank you for driving uh, both our podcast, but also the industry forward as well. Anything you want? To yeah, and if you're you're on the Ford, we got we got half a day tomorrow. Stop into all the other vendors, you know, and, and pick up some great information from. You know, we got uh, if you think about trunk injection, you got Moje out there. Uh, you got uh, Rainbow EcoScience. You got some really good arborists out there uh, stop in and see what they got to offer um, it's not like it used to be where you rely on one product for everything we have to be very strategic on how we approach plant health care now 
and everybody's got some great things to offer. So spend the time, do your research, um, come see Corey and I. We're gonna have our little buddies with us at the booth. You guys can go get a picture with little, little Joe and little Corey. Um, but we'll be here all day tomorrow, so. Uh, Corey, you want to open up for some questions? Anybody got any questions? Yeah, let's let's open it up to a couple questions. We're watching a timer here, so we should be able to field at least a few. Comments, negative or positive, we'll take a comment. All right, we got one right here. Hey, guys. Uh, <laughs> love your stuff. Um, you know, one of the things, we own a, a small tree care operation in Columbus. One of the things that we do is try to uh, show clients the value of trees. A lot of clients think the value of the tree is what it costs to remove it. Um, and we have a very few select clients that are like, hey, to save this tree over the next 10 years, I'd spend three, four, five times what it costs to remove this tree because this tree means that much to me. Um, you know, so I you, just, said you said you use iTree? Hmm? Did you oh. say you use iTree? No, I don't know what iTree is. Does anybody know what iTree is? It's through the U.S. Forest Service and Davy. It's a free app that will add benefits to what you're talking about to show your customer what they want the value. Oh yeah, I've never uh, actually looked at like the value, but like some clients think you know the value is the shade value. Like some people, it's their only tree. Some people, it's they have a thousand trees and they couldn't care less about one of them. But um, one of the things you know you guys were talking about earlier is the uh, preserving trees, going about plant health care, like uh, as arborists as consulting arborists, we should uh, see how they value their trees, see what we can do to kind of approach. And uh, I love your guys' stuff and how you guys you know, Thank you. explain that deeper in your podcast. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking of Marty Shaw. So there's yeah. a, there's an ASCA member who came, who came on our show a couple months ago and I posed, we, we posed the simple question, what's my tree worth? Because everybody, everybody is in the room and listening has run into a homeowner that thinks their tree is worth a million dollars. Black walnut, it's gotta be worth at least four grand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we were talking to Marty Shaw, and what he was telling us is some trees have a negative value. So some instances, we're all about tree, tree care and preservation to a degree, but in some instances, those trees do need to be removed, and that is part of plant health care and landscape management. So yeah, we should be on that. Fantastic. Yes, I think I have more back there. Uh, so I'm with a tree company that's been around for just doing removals for about 26 years. And my whole purpose this time expo has been plant healthcare. And uh, lots of great lecturers have been speaking to them and lots of, I mean, amazing conversations on the trade floor. But a big question mark that's been kind of bouncing around my head is still like, how do I, how do I price? Because we have, we have clients who ask us, you know, what would it take to save my tree? And it's like, well, you know, we could do injections, we do soil management, we can get into all this stuff. But then there's this big question mark of, well, they want to know a number. Like, how do I, how do I start figuring those numbers out? And on an open forum like this, it's very tough to answer. But I believe any tree uh, preservation company on the floor can guide you in a roundabout way, depending on who you talk to. We all know what it costs to treat. We all know what people are charging, but we can't say it out loud because some guys charge 20 and some guys charge 10. And if we tell the 10 guy today, you, know, you can get 20. So, but if you come see us tomorrow, we can help and see the other see the other companies too and get some advice from them. Yeah, we, I bet you we could dial in pretty close. If, and if I can add on top of that, because that is a great question, that is one that Joe and I get in our day to day 
whether you're measuring everything with a, with a diameter tape or a DVH tape, or you're pacing it out if you're doing fertilizer, you're doing square feet, whatever you do, make it consistent. So I can't tell you how many people I've worked with over the years that you go, oh, what, is it, you know, what does it cost to spray this, this maple or this, this spruce, this aspen? And at one property it's 15 bucks, the next they go to is 45. Well, A, that's not much of a business practice. B, how do you plan for it, right? And then how do you build a business out of it? So yeah, I'd love to go further down that rabbit hole with you for sure. Yeah. Or, or you could just get an estimate from your, your competitor Take their pricing. Yeah, rip it off his door. Rip it off the doorknob and kidding. follow him around the neighborhood for a day and pull those flyers off the door. Don't don't do that. Believe it or not, that it happens in the street business. Uh, we got a question coming up. I've actually walked around to bid tree jobs and had the tree already done and seen a pile of wood chips in the front lawn. I'm like, dude, you just called me today. But yes. Hi, so uh, we're up in northern Vermont, a uh, new company, we're eight months old, looking to move into a plant healthcare space, wondering what sort of the first thing, like an injection, an air spade, where, where would you recommend kind of For, what, What's space? needed would be the first thing, but the easier answer is almost always everywhere, deep, deep root nutrition. Get in the dirt. Get in the start dirt. below grade, and then you can slowly look at what's going on. Once you start, I, I, like I said, Corey and I are the biggest nerds you ever want to meet. And we look at trees, and believe it or not, every tree out there you can find an issue with. If, if you look hard enough, yes. But you have to establish a threshold of when it's time to treat for that or not. So you can pick a tree apart, and everything has included bark, or it's got scale, or it's got aphids, or there's carpenter ants running up there, and there's wood chips on the ground, or grass. You can find what you want, but believe it or not, if I was, again, if I was to start over again, I would start from the soil up. Yeah. Start looking at that. And another aspect of that is a lot of a lot of states, and it's all state by state, so don't throw tomatoes yet. Uh, you don't need an applicator's license to apply soil nutrition products if there's no listed Department of Ag number. Now, I know that's different in places like New York, maybe California, probably half a dozen other states. So check, check with your local Department of Ag would probably be our first response, but yeah, soil health is, is, is yeah. That's right, that's where I would go. I wish I would have done it earlier. Yeah. Anybody oh, else have anything? We're gonna make, you, make, make it run all the way to the far corner. Oh, there you go. Uh, I, sorry. All right, let it rip. Yeah, shout it out. My outdoor voice. Uh, so I'm starting a new plant healthcare company. We already have a sizable tree care company. Uh, basically, I'm gonna be judge, jury, and executioner for effectively the first year. I'm going to be doing the technician work and I'm going to be doing the sales description everything. Uh, when I'm doing something like that, would you recommend starting really small where I can be really mobile and do sales and uh, like application all from the same vehicle? Or would you recommend kind of buying bigger and then growing into it? You know? So I have, I have a thought about I, you go first. Okay. okay. So the question is basically the uh, the avail uh, availability to get into the industry and kind of take each each segment from your business and grow it. I would say whatever you're going to do, just make sure you can scale it. So I, Joe and I work with, like I said, hundreds of thousands of people over the years. I don't think I've ever talked to anybody that regrets going as big as they did to start out. So yes, you could get a backpack spray unit, a, a trunk injection unit. 
put in the back of your Prius or whatever you got, that is a direction to go. But I can't think of anybody that I've worked with over the years that wishes they would have started small. I think what's gonna happen is that, and I've seen this, is that uh, new companies got too aggressive and they couldn't get the services done. Oh, there you go, that's another part of it. So, whatever you plan, make sure you can get it done because it's, it's horrible to tell someone that you're gonna be there and you just can't get there. And then the tree dies and you're like, oh, I could have called somebody else, but uh, no, I'm sorry, I'll get there, I'll get there. And then you don't get there. Yeah, so it, as much as it becomes an issue of managing your, your, your knowledge, it's also a mission of managing your time. And if you have any applicators working for you, and how many applicators do you want working for you? And I, I think the bigger question is, is going to be, right, what do you want for your business? Because there's no shortage of work out there. Oh, yeah. I think we have time for one more, and I think the gentleman in the Thank you. You want to let her rip or you want the mic? For someone that's uh, kind of getting into the plant healthcare, I just kind of got to do it a couple months ago. Uh, where, what would be a good thing to like kind of start out as, like for taking a class? Sure. So the individual in the room wants to know kind of where would be a great place to start. Well, first off, congratulations, welcome to Plant Healthcare. Thank you for sitting through this. Uh, first place I would probably start, Joe. Download the podcast. Really big on the name. Um, as you see, Corey's a salesman. That's where you start. This is how I'm going to retire, Mister Pension. Yeah. Um, so, but but also, there are half a dozen, many more vendors out on the floor that do winter webinars. They're free. If you're ISA certified arborist, a lot of them get approved for CEUs. Depending on what stage you're in, you might get you know just CEUs. But um, that would be a really good place to start because if those companies are going to take the time to build a, a, a PowerPoint and do a presentation, it's probably relevant. So those would probably be the really good places to start. And I think the webinars are good because I think a lot, a lot of great companies offer them. You can take them at your own leisure too. So you want to learn about soil, check out with those companies and pull up their soil webinar and spend the half hour. Um, it, you know, figure out which direction you want to go. A lot of people think that getting into plant healthcare is jumping right into tree injection. And I talk people out of it. Back, hit the brakes a few times. Let's figure out what you need it for. Uh, again, with your plant healthcare, what are you going to do? You know, we say we're getting into plant healthcare, but what's the issue locally for you in your region? And that'll steer you into what you want to read up on. Yeah, I think, that, I, think, I think that's well said. If, if anybody asked a question uh, after this presentation, come on up, maybe we'll meet you here in the corner, we've got something for you. Genuinely, on behalf of Joe and myself, and Nico, our producer, who's doing a fantastic job with everything, we just want to thank you. Yes, and we're so blessed and so lucky and just humbled that all of you would come today to listen to us rant and Joe make fun of me. And because I am a millennial, I'm going to cry today. But, um, Are you going to cry? Probably. But genuinely, thank you, thank you, thank you. Stop by, make sure uh, Arbor Jets have been 517 tomorrow, get some free swag, get some education. Sign up for uh, our online winter webinar series and we'll at least try to point you to the Thanks for coming. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Corey. 
Hey, great topic today. Yes, and lots of good information. Yeah, probably one of our best yet. If you enjoyed the podcast or have topics you would like to discuss, please send them to discoveringforestry at gmail.com. And please hit the subscribe button and tell a friend. Thanks, guys, uh, for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Joe. And I'm Corey. Signing Signing out. out.